Almighty God, our kind Father in heaven, we beseech you at this moment that we might be able to see and feel your presence and your power in this in this part of our week that has been dedicated to you, into this building that has been built and dedicated to this very sanctuary where we highly regard what goes on in here. I ask you to be with Kenny, to give him that clear thought and fluent speech that he can transfer over to us the uh, wonderful words of life. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. kind of a call to worship we've all heard the phrase you know someone that speaks with a forked tongue or uh, someone that's speaking out of both sides of their mouth say one thing and do another or say one thing and believe another well the scripture says that God will always speak is that not true scripture says that but when is always not a part of time? Always is always. So when they people will say that the scripture is closed, in effect, that they have said that God is mute. He can no longer speak. That the canon of scripture is closed. God is mute. He cannot speak. That is speaking with a fork and tongue, speaking with both sides of your mouth, uh, saying one thing and believing another. God always speaks to individuals through our heart, to, to our mind. Satan also speaks and he misleads. How is God's people spoken to? I'm not going to answer. I want to ask that to you guys. How is God's people spoken to? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Nephi. What do those people have in common? Prophets. And if it, Scripture told us that we were always going to have priesthood and there would always be prophets, either he is dead and mute or God still speaks. How can we as an individual have scripture said to us? Patriarch blessing. You must be a member of the church, and through the patriarch, God will speak to that individual. And so anyone... You'll see me hobbling around just to get it said so I don't have to say it a whole bunch of times. I'll be okay. Just bent my leg back, backwards, fell down. Most of the time, 
when I speak, I try to speak of someone in the scriptures that has a that has lived a positive life, and that there is a positive message around their teachings. But today it's a little different. I want to speak on the person of Simon. And it's a person that we need to be aware of because it records something very, very important for us, uh, the meaning behind it, for us to know. And it's about an inward change brought about through repentance. So I'm going to start reading uh, from Acts 8, starting with verse 9. And there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was a very great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had, had, he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, whom when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he, the Holy Ghost was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized. At that point, they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They hadn't received the Holy Ghost through the laying on of hands. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast sought has thought that the gift of God may be purchased through money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. What he tells him next is very important. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. <clears throat> then, then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon thee. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages 
of the Samaritans. Now, Simon is a perfect example for us that a person can be can believe on the Lord Jesus and be baptized, but not to have an inward change. That's what we're called to have after baptism is an inward change. Now, Simon once practiced sorcery and trickery, <clears throat> but when, when he heard the preaching of Philip, he believed those words, but he still desired to be to have the greatness that he once experienced among those people. He believed that he could purchase the great power of God. <clears throat> the people were that were in attendance were baptized and they believed along with Simon but despite his confession of faith in Christ and his baptism he still carried with him the old desires that he had before he was baptized he desired the to have the same image that he had among the people that he had before when he practiced sorcery. But after he heard the words of Philip, he knew that he didn't possess that power, but he desired it. He desired it, and he wanted to pay for it because he knew that it was more than he could possibly do by tricking the people or using sorcery as he, as he served the devil in those things. He thought the power that was conveyed through the hands of Peter and John, he thought the power rested in their hands, and he wanted that. He desired it. He wanted to buy it, and we know it's not for sale. Because he had lost his title among the people as being a great one, and that really, really upset him. He didn't want to give up the status that he had, and I'm sure with that fame that he had, he said, all followed him, and all looked at him as having God's power. Isn't that what the devil wanted to do? He wanted to have God's power. He wanted the glory for it, just the way Simon did. He was jealous of the apostles because he saw them do things and witness the power of the Holy Ghost that he knew he was not able to do, even through trickery. <clears throat> he was jealous because the people's hearts and minds were set upon Jesus Christ and not upon him. Isn't he like so many people today that have confessed their faith in Jesus and even having been baptized still remain unchanged 
Their lives haven't changed. They live the life, they desire to live the life that they did before accepting Jesus Christ. But what is the difference between them and somebody that has not confessed faith? There's no difference. <clears throat> We hear a lot of people say that once saved, always saved. <clears throat> but I think we can look at Simon's life here and realize there's way more to being a follower <clears throat> of Jesus than just confessing faith in him, knowing he exists, and being baptized. And our lives will show that by the lives that we live When, when Simon was rebu rebuked by Peter, he didn't confess his sin. The first thing Peter told him was to repent. But he didn't see a need for it. Peter said, pray ye, <clears throat> pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which you've spoken of will come upon me. Peter didn't say, I'll pray for you that you'll repent. He said, you repent. Peter goes on to say, repent. Therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And the thought was a desire to purchase the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if he would have fallen upon the earth and repented, asked God for forgiveness, he would have received that forgiveness. But he wasn't about to do it himself. He wanted Peter to do the work for him. The second thing Simon lacked was the Holy Spirit. He desired it. He missed a chance to get in that line with all of the other Samaritans and receive the gift freely, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he chose not to. He wanted to purchase it. He knew he couldn't compete with the power of the Holy Ghost. He saw his limitations. He knew he was using sorcery and, and trickery. But he wanted to be to receive the glory for the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? It leads us in the directions we need to go, the direction God would have us to go. Simon still was looking for fame and prestige and power and recognition among the people of Samaria. <clears throat> but he was convinced now he couldn't do that without the Holy Spirit. What creates an inward change in, the vid in a person's heart and mind and life 
Well, it starts with repentance, repenting of our sins and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work of transforming our lives into something useful to our Heavenly Father. If we continue to live our lives after baptism the way we did before, there's no inward change, no growth. <clears throat> there's no difference for the, for the person that has never accepted Christ. Will just saying the words, the, all the right words, be enough? We know it's not because the world would look at us as hypocrites. You say one thing, but your life says another thing. It's not just by our speech that we'll be known. The scriptures say, Let your light so shine before men that they may see, not hear, they may see your, your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're supposed to be a reflection of our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus in our lives. But it starts with repentance if we hope to live Christ-like lives. Repentance is the first step in having an inward change. We must stop living as a natural man in order to live Christ-like lives. Those who desire to live like Jesus wants us to must be dead to sin and alive to him. We must repent of our sins and give ourselves over to the prompting and direction of the Holy Spirit. Our part is to repent and surrender. The Holy Spirit will help us the rest of the way. But the Holy Spirit will not work against an individual's desires. It won't be forced upon us. In 2 Corinthians, starting with chapter 5, verse 15, And he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth live no more, after the flesh, though once we lived after the flesh, yet since we have known Christ, now henceforth live we no more after the flesh. Therefore, if any man live in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And if anyone teaches that there's no need for repentance, <clears throat> no need for baptism, they do lie. It's recorded in Mosiah chapter 11. I have repented of my sins and have redeemed, have been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people must be born again. Yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness 
being trans, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters, and thus they become new creatures. And unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. What the Lord is asking us to do is rely on his spirit, the Holy Spirit. God has given us that spirit to comfort us and lead us and guide us, strengthen us, and teach us. Teach us the things of God. For the spirit teacheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Have we experienced the inward change in our lives after baptism? Or do we sometimes desire those old sins and revert to them? We know that repentance is a requirement for all who truly love the Lord, believe his words, and desire to serve him. Parker, could we have a chair set down front here? Well, he's doing that. I've got two announcements. Uh, Joyce would like to have the women to meet after the service, and I believe it's going to be over the basket dinner next week. Okay. Behold, I have things to tell you concerning that which is to come. And the things which I shall tell you are made known unto me by an angel from God. And he, the angel, stood and he, the angel, said unto me, Awake. And I awoke, and behold, he stood before me. And he said, Hear the words which I shall tell thee. For behold, I am come to declare unto thee glad tidings of great joy. For the Lord has heard thy prayers and has sent me to declare unto thee that thou mayest declare unto your people. For behold, the time cometh and is not far distant. This was written 124 years before Christ. Behold, the time cometh and is not far distant. The Lord shall come down and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay and shall go forth amongst men working mighty miracles, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, the deaf to hear and curing all manners of disease. And he shall cast out devils, the evil spirits which dwell in the hearts of, of men. And lo, he shall suffer temptations and the pain of body and hunger and thirst and fatigue, even more than man can suffer except it be unto death. 
For behold, blood cometh from every poor, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people. And he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. And his mother shall be called Mary. And even after all this, they shall consider him as a man, and say that he hath a devil, and shall scourge him, and shall crucify him. And then we'll jump forward about 155, 160 years. These are the words of Christ as he spoke to his people here in this land after the crucifixion. And it came to pass that when Jesus had thus spoken, he cast his eyes around on the multitude and beheld they were in tears. And he said unto them, Behold, I am filled with compassion towards you. Have ye any that are sick among you? Bring them hither. Have you any that are lame or blind or halt or maimed or leprous or that are withered or that are deaf or that are, are afflicted in any manner? Bring them hither and I will heal them for I have compassion upon you. I am filled with mercy. I perceive that you desire that I should show unto you what I have done unto your brethren in Jerusalem. For I see that your faith is sufficient that I should heal you. There's a uh, woman here who is uh, suffering from near blindness. Last week she was told about the laying on of hands by the elders of the church, and she has uh, asked for that administration. Tila, could you bring Deanna up here to sit her in this chair? And Bud Lightfoot has asked if he could be a part of this administration by calling on the Ministry of Angels. And Steve, would you and C.H. Annoy horror with the oil. Bud, will you offer that prayer?
mark this moment in time. We will speak of it in the future. If we could all stand, I'll dismiss us. Our kind Father, surely goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our life. You've touched us when we, uh, when we were lost, gave us sight when we needed to see and opened our ears when we needed to hear. The very words that Kenny uh, preached to us and he didn't know what was going to happen. But they were just a beautiful setting for what Andrea needed. And C.H. and Steve, they didn't know they were going to be called on. But they are your servants. And immediately they stood to uh, offer what they could. We pledge our lives, Father, and I ask you to bless these people, your Latter-day Saints, in Jesus' name, amen.